I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we begin a new book, Deuteronomy. We'll be looking at chapters 1 and 2. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. First, let's begin with an introduction to the book of Deuteronomy. Well, the wandering is over, and 40 years have passed since the Hebrews left Egypt. So here they sit on the east side of the Jordan River, ready to go into Canaan to possess it. But first, let's get a second giving of the Law of Moses. That's what Deuteronomy means. It's not a Semitic word at all, but rather it's a compound Greek word. Deutero means second, and nami means law. That's a name adopted for it as a result of the Old Testament translation into the Greek Septuagint. So hang on for a repeat of the giving of the law to the Hebrews before they go possess their new land. Interestingly, the Hebrew Bible calls this book Davarim. That's derived from the opening phrase in the Hebrew text of verse 1, chapter 1, where it says, These are, or be, the words. Therefore, the Hebrew Bible just calls this fifth book of the Bible, Words. Deuteronomy was written by Moses, as was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Since Joshua was Moses' right-hand man, he undoubtedly had a hand in helping Moses with these writings. He certainly must have been the one who completed Moses' work after his death. While the very name assigned to this book indicates a second giving of the Law of Moses, in actuality, there are some variations to the Law of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Now that they are prepared to enter into Canaan, some lifestyle issues will be a little different now that they will no longer be touring the Sinai Peninsula. We'll be pointing out some of those variations along the way. So let's begin now with Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1, where we see the command to enter Canaan. Verse 1. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. After he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtaroth and Edrei. On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the sea coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Uh, Hey, haven't we been in this situation before? But this time they're actually going to do what God says, and they're going to do it without murmuring. But before going into Canaan, the Hebrews have some history to go over and some laws to reiterate. 
So how long has it been since the Hebrews left Egypt? Well, your answer is there in verse 3. It says, in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month. Now, in the written notes of BibleTrack.org, I have a little chart. And in that chart, I have first listed Numbers chapter 10, verse 11, which says this. Now, it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month, in the second year, that the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle of the testimony. So we see that they broke camp to head for Canaan in year two, month two, day 20. Now, again, let me read Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 3. This is the one that we just looked at a few moments ago. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according unto all that the Lord had given him in the commandment unto them. So we see that they're prepared to go into Canaan in year 40, month 11, day 1. So the exact lapsed time from the time they broke camp until they are ready to go into Canaan is 38 years, 8 months, and 11 days. Now, I typically, in my notes, refer to that as 38-plus years, but you'll see that it's quite close to 39 years. So here's the question. How long should it have taken to travel from Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb, where they camped after leaving Egypt to Kadesh Barnea? Well, the answer is 11 days. That's in verse 2. So they turned an 11-day trip into a 38-year, 8-month, 11-day trip. Wow. Now hang on while Moses gives us a recap of the highlights of their journey from Egypt. He begins to recap the battles that got them there, positioned on the east side of the Jordan River in verse 4, when he mentions King Sihon and King Og. Those are two notorious, yet defeated kings east of the Jordan River, that the Israelites conquered in Numbers chapter 21. We see in verses 7 and 8 the declaration that it's time to cross the Jordan and go in and possess the land. You'll notice a boundary reference to Lebanon and the Euphrates River in verse 7. Now, if you'd like to see a map of the land, then there's a link on the written notes of BibleTrack.org in today's reading. We see in verse 8 a reference to the Abrahamic covenant when it says, Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Now, there's an article I've written in the topic section of BibleTrack.org entitled The Abrahamic Covenant, if you like a little refresher on that. Uh, or you can click on the link that's in the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today. So Moses then continues his recap in verse 9. And I spoke to you at that time, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are, and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Here are the cases between your brethren, and judge righteously between a man and his brother, or the stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. 
The case that is too hard for you, bring to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. So here Moses recalls the reorganization that had been done back in Exodus chapter 18. Up until that time, Moses, he did all the ruling and all the judging. You'll recall that at that time, his father-in-law felt that it was just too much for one man. So in this passage, we get a little additional insight regarding the appointment of the men to help judge at that time. Now, keep in mind, this was 40 years ago. And these are instructions that were actually given to these people's fathers because those men 40 years ago no longer uh, existed. They had died. So then Moses gives a recap, continuing with their refusal to enter Canaan in verses 19 to 33. So we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me well. So I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eskel and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us, saying, It is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries a son in all the way that you went until you came to this place." Yet, for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. Well, this is a sad time in Israel's history. We first saw the incident in Numbers chapter 13 upon the return of the spies. The subsequent rebellion in Numbers chapter 14 just sealed their fate for the next 38 plus years. They sent spies into Canaan, but upon their return with the land specimens and stories of their 40 days away from home, the people were afraid to go into Canaan. What's worse, they murmured and threatened the lies of Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb on that very occasion. One new item that we see in this passage of Scripture that we didn't get from Numbers is the fact that it was the people's idea to send the spies into Canaan rather than just go on in and possess it. In verse 22, we see that. But Moses points out in verse 26, Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. That gives us an idea of God's long-suffering. He tolerated their negotiations with Moses, but did not tolerate their ultimate refusal to go into Canaan at that time. 
Moses continues with his recap in verse 34, where he talks about the penalty of their rebellion. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry, and took an oath, saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him and his children I am giving the land on which he walked, because he wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, Even you shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Then you answered and said to me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight, just as the Lord our God commanded us. And when every one of you had girded on his weapons of war, you were ready to go up into the mountain. And the Lord said to me, Tell them, Do not go up nor fight, for I am not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen, but rebelled against the command of the Lord, and presumptuously went up into the mountain. And the Amorites who dwelt in that mountain came out against you and chased you as bees do, and drove you back from Seir to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not listen to your voice nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days according to the days that you spent there. Now this story is being told by Moses to the children of those rebels back in Numbers chapter 14. It's important that history doesn't repeat itself. Some additional insight is given in this passage as well, indicating that the penalty for their rebellion did not extend to the premature deaths of their women in Israel, just the men of war. Furthermore, we deduct that the Levites were exempt as well. If that subject interests you further, then look at the article that I've written under the topic section of BibleTrack.org entitled The Canaan Spies in the Forty Years, and you'll see that women and Levites were uh, actually exempt from the death decree. There's a link on the page, actually a window on the page, that you can click on and read those notes. Moses then points out in verse 39 why the children of these rebels were not held responsible. He says, Moreover, your little ones, which he said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. Moses recalls in verses 41 through 46 that in their remorse regarding the rebellion against Moses, they decided to try to go into Canaan without God's leading hand. That's in Numbers chapter 14, verses 39 to 45. But that was a failed attempt. You'll recall that there's a gap of 38 plus years between the events of Numbers 14 and Numbers 20. Actually, the gap almost certainly occurs between chapters 19 and 20, but that's not absolutely verifiable. The only information we have regarding Israel's activities during that time is found in Numbers chapter 33, that's the chapter that lists the locations of their encampments over that period where we don't have a historical account of the day-to-day -day activities. And then Moses uh, continues his recap. And this section in chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, outlines from the wilderness right into Moab. Verse 1. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, as we skirted Mount Seir for many days. 
And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. And they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land, no, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat. And you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. And when we pass beyond our brethren, the descendants of Esau, who dwell in Seir, away from the road of the plain, away from Eloth and Ezion, Geber, we turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, nor contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the descendants of Lot as a possession. The Emim had dwelt there in times past, a people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim. They were also regarded as giants like the Anakim, but the Moabites called them Emim. The Horites formerly dwelt in Seir, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their place just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave them. Now rise and cross over the valley of Zered. So we crossed over the valley of Zered. And the time we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the valley of Zered was 38 years until all the generation of the men of war was consumed from the midst of the camp just as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. So it was, when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people, that the Lord spoke to me, saying, This day you are to cross over at Ar, the boundary of Moab. And when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. That was also regarded as a land of giants. Giants formerly dwelt there. But the Ammonites called them Zamzumim, a people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place, just as he had done for the descendants of Esau, who dwelt in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites from before them. They dispossessed them and dwelt in their place even to this day. And the Avim, who dwelt in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. Well, verse 1 here recaps Numbers chapter 14, verse 25. That's when God led them back into the wilderness. Beginning with verse 2, Moses' history lesson takes up with contemporary history. He gives a recap of what happened as they emerged from their 38-plus years of journeying in the wilderness. This recent history we read as we've been reading through the book of Numbers. The highlights in this passage include God's decree that Israel not attack the Edomites in verses 1 through 8. 
These are Esau's descendants, but history reveals to us that the Edomites for the centuries following would be just a thorn in Israel's side. Look at the notes on Numbers chapter 20, verses 14 to 21 regarding those Edomites. Moses then recounts how the Lord had told them to try to work with the Moabites, Lot's descendants, and the Ammonites, also Lot's descendants. However, Moses goes into some detail to show us that the Moabites and the Ammonites, well, they'd been somewhat displaced by the Amorites. Moses is not instructed to avoid the Amorites. They're just not related. So that takes us up to Israel's engagement with them, specifically King Sihon in verse 26, which is where we'll start reading now. We read about the defeat of King Sihon. Verse 26, And I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kittimoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will keep strictly to the road, and I will turn neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot." Just as the descendants of Esau who dwell in Seir and the Moabites who dwell in Ard did for me until I crossed the Jordan to the land which the Lord our God is giving us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as it is this day. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to possess it that you may inherit his land." Then Sihon and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us, so we defeated him, his sons, and all his people. We took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and little ones of every city. We left nothing remaining. We took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoil of the cities which we took. From Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and from the city that is in the ravine as far as Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Only you did not go near the land of the people of Ammon, anywhere along the river Jabbok, or to the cities of the mountains, or wherever the Lord our God had forbidden us. Well, we see here, then there was King Sihon. He's recorded in Numbers chapter 21, verses 21 to 32. When asked for free passage, this Amorite king should have said to Israel, My pleasure. But his mistake was fatal. He refused. And Moses recalls the aftermath in the hall of the massive spoils after this great defeat of King Sihon. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.